host muted. Only the host can unmute your line. Raise your hand using star 2 so the host knows when you want to speak. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our Sunday night Bible study and fellowship here on YouTube and TalkShoe. Appreciate you um, new listeners that's in here tonight or the ones that are that are new to, to us and we see your name. Jay, welcome. Glad to have you. Good to see you there, Brother Papa Cat. Uh, just glad that you took the time out to be with us tonight. Amen. Uh, we'll, we'll be in 2 Corinthians. Uh, first, I don't know why I said 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're not going to be here quite very long tonight. The chapters... The early chapters in First Corinthians are not all that long. The very first chapters are not that long. I'm sure we will spend probably a couple of three programs in chapter three because we will get into the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm probably going to talk about some things uh, considering the judgment seat of Christ that I haven't spoken on before, but that I have mentioned before that I've been studying. So I may bring up some new stuff concerning the judgment seat of Christ and the uh, the um the way the works are judged by fire and the motive and this that and the other but anyway after, after said that brother dave go ahead and open us in a word of prayer brother if you would go ahead and pray for brother jay that's here with us tonight brother william and those people that were affected by hurricane michael please pray for all them there and uh whoever else the lord lays on your heart brother just go ahead okay father in the name of jesus we come tonight and we would come with grateful hearts that the blood of Jesus has been shed and that we are born in this age of grace and have been given this blessing to be able to receive of the grace of God and the forgiveness of sins and the new birth through the Lord Jesus Christ's spirit coming into us because our spirit man is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, and Lord, we're grateful and tonight we pray that the holy spirit teach us in first corinthians chapter two and anywhere the lord desires to go i pray that the spirit of god anoint pastor don to teach and anoint me to read the scriptures the way you want them read and lord i pray for our guest tonight jay in the chat room i pray father in jesus name that the spirit of the lord minister to him tonight in a profound way one that would touch him intimately in his heart and mind and reveal to him the secrets that you desired for him to understand and to know and i pray that if he has any needs lord that they that you would meet one of those needs tonight in this lord within the next couple of days that that need would be fully met and i pray that he directly knows that it was the lord jesus christ who did it and I thank you for it. And Lord, we lift up Sergio and Papa Cat and all the people that will later come and download either on YouTube or talk show here. Lord, I pray for them that you would meet their need as you desire it to be done. I pray that you continue to work in their lives. I pray that you draw people to listen to these programs, Lord, ones that you know are yours and you desire them to mature and to grow in Christ and to understand more fully the word of God, which will judge them someday. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up to you all the hurricane victims, the hurricane Michael that hit the Florida panhandle. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that there would be disaster relief for these people. If they were blacks, I'm sure there'd be people falling all over each other trying to help them. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that disaster relief comes from your people, from churches, from the government. I pray, Lord, for people who are sick because of this, injured in the hospital, or trying to recover at home, or wherever they are at this current time. Lord, I pray that the spirit of the lord jesus christ bring healing to those that he desires to heal i pray lord that they would get their needs met for food and water and shelter and i pray lord that especially your children lord that they, their homes would be rebuilt and i pray these things in the name of jesus so be it 
Amen. 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 And Father, I also pray for Brother Tommy Adams and his family. Father, yes. you watch over them, put a hedge about them, Lord God. Keep Brother Tony and Sister Sue in good health and watch over Britt, Brian, and Holly. Watch over their children. Keep a hedge about them. Keep them safe, Father, and may their uh, knowledge of uh, the grace and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ grow in their life. And may they learn to apply the word of God in their life, Father, in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Amen. Tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 1, Paul set in. Um, I gave a little background on Corinth, and, and Paul started, to, started right off talking about the divisions that were in the church. And this church, like I said before, before the new listeners, I'm going to go ahead and say this again. This is the most carnal church that Paul dealt with. I mean, these people are it is typical of most churches today. Um, these people, you had a bunch of haves and have-nots, and you had people bragging about their gifts of the Spirit um, during this period of time here, and um, they were just, it was just puffed up. It's a carnal church. It's a fleshy church. You got, you got some outward sin out in the open in this church that's not dealt with. Paul's going to deal with that later, later on in, um, in this book, and we'll deal with that when we get to it in chapter five and six and in this book we'll also deal with the um with communion with communion service how it's supposed to be properly done um it's just it's a fantastic book for learning for a body of believers or, or an assembly um you can take all the mistakes that the corinthians make that paul points out and you can change them to where things are done right decently and in order instead of a bunch of confusion because as paul says later on in this book god is not the author of confusion and i'm i thank you for this book it's meant a lot to me um the first and second corinthians has in my bible study over the last 40 something years and i make a lot of references to it because like i said it brings out the carnal nature of man it shows that even though somebody is born again by the Spirit of God, and it's a new creature in Christ, that they have the ability under certain circumstances to do the same thing that any lost individual that's never heard of the grace of God, never been born again, that they're able to do those same things as long as they feed the flesh instead of, feed, instead of feeding the Spirit. Whichever one of those two men that you take the most care of, the old man, you take care of him, the one that's dead and buried with Christ, that you think is alive and you spend all the time pampering, you spend more time with him, then that's the, the fruits will show that that's the one you're spending the most time with. If it's the inward man, the new man is Paul causing, the new creature in Christ Jesus that's born again, you spend more time dealing with spiritual things and the word of God and the daily washing of the word of God and a confession to stay in fellowship with your lord and savior the fruits of that shows through the fruits of the holy spirit that come from the inside out not from the outside in that's the way that ball bounces anyway so first uh, corinthians chapter two brother dave um we paul just got through talking about how god chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise he talks about um, the wisdom of this world comes to naught. Um, he's going to mention that um, even if that if the archons, the ones, well, I'll, well when we get there, I'll, I'll make mention of. But anyway, here in chapter two, it's not going to be too long. We're not going to be be here too long unless I get long-winded on a certain subject. But anyway, um, brother Dave, go ahead and get started with First Corinthians chapter two, verse one, brother, please. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. In the demonstration of the spirit and of power. 
Now, you, you, I don't know what you think that means, but I can tell you what it means. It means exactly what it says. Paul preached with power. Paul, through in the testimony of the other, some of the other books, uh, the book of Acts, Paul was long-winded. He didn't use fancy words. He got down to the point. He talked street. He, he, he was eloquent in Greek. He was taught by Gamaliel. He was he was a very he was a very educated person. Like I said, he was taught under one of the greatest teachers during that period of time, which was Gamaliel. And but Paul, when he talked to the local congregations, the local assemblies, he talked down to earth to where they couldn't miss what he was saying. He didn't come at them with uh, excellency of words, like he said, but in a demonstration of power and of the spirit. He didn't talk softly like this. You can you can tell by the words that he uses. He didn't whisper. He was strong in his preaching. He come across strong. And some of the things that he says later on in this book, he's just going to come out and threaten them. But if he comes, he'll come with a rod. Okay? That doesn't sound like somebody where he gives a flip, whether he makes somebody mad, whether he's hollering and screaming or not. He cares about what he's saying because the Spirit of God taking his words and using them in the life of the individuals. It's not how something's said, it's what's said that matters. God spoke so loud that Israel at Mount Sinai begged Moses to make God shut up. They couldn't stand his voice. That he, so God bowed, didn't bow, he gave in to them and spoke to them through a messenger, which was Moses and Aaron. If you just want an example of people that didn't like a, a, a loud, boisterous voice, the children of Israel couldn't stand it. It scared them to death. So they 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 begged Moses, please entreat God that He'll speak to us through you and you. And so He did through Moses and Aaron. If you understand the whole Word of God, you understand these principles. It's not what we like that God likes necessarily. Okay. There's a time and place for everything. There's a time for soft-spoken um, sweetness and kindness and charitable speech under certain circumstances individually. But when preaching to a crowd, you don't know if you got some hard-headed, stubborn, bull-headed heathen that all he understands is somebody taking a hammer upside his head, or unless you got a, a bunch of effeminized men that only understand soft-spoken speech. And I say this with charity and with love because you have to understand that when you're listening and you're and you're, you're being preached to and talked to by individuals that are actually preachers and teachers, not mama called and daddy sent, but actually people that spend time and let the word of God mold them to where they can express the word of God in the manner that God wants it expressed at the time he wants it expressed the way he wants it expressed. And that's the problem with one of the, one of the main problems in today's society in the politically correct climate. Everybody's worried about their feelings getting hurt or whether somebody gets upset or not. Do you think the father really cares if somebody gets upset you think the Pharisees got upset when the Lord Jesus Christ looked at them and said, you're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do? How do you, how do you think he said that? You reckon he said, you're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth when he speaks of his own, he speaks of himself because it's a liar and the father of it. Do you think he spoke like that? They jumped all over Paul because they said his speech was, he was rude and his speech was contemptible. A lot of the, a lot of his naysayers did. There's another clue as to how he preached with power and in the spirit. So it's a lack of knowledge of the word of God and the characters that are in the word of God 
Well, the more time you spend studying them, the more their characterizations and how they come across and what they did, the more God will reveal that to you in the way that they were. Somebody that claims be a follower of me and do the things you see me do over and over and over again, which is the only one in the New Testament you're told to do that, except for the Lord Jesus Christ, you might not pay attention and realize that maybe what you think is wrong may be exactly what God wants you to get, to fight through your own feelings and likes and desires. It happens to everybody. You, you run into this problem in all kind of assemblies. And I've seen people, I've had people get up and walk out. Okay? Stand up and walk, especially some women. Stand up and walk out. All right? Do you think that that faced me? Not because I'm this great poobah. It's just I understand the way God works. I had no business being there to start with, probably. Or either God had something there for them that Satan got the best of them and wanted to you better get out of here. You don't want to hear this this mean preacher. He's talking too loud. You better get up and get out of here. You you don't hear this. So you got two opposing forces working against each other when the word of God is being preached and taught. Amen, Brother Dave. Amen. You got to understand there's two forces working contrary one to another. You got the spirit. You got the spirit of this world that's done in Guthrum, and then you got the devil and the Lord, the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of Satan, that are contrary one to another and fighting the individual. That spiritual warfare that's taking place from when the word leaves the book to the preacher's eyes and out his mouth, the Holy Spirit takes it, and the moment it comes out. God, when he sends his word out, it is attacked by the adversary. How it's attacked, the adversary knows the best ways to do it. He's been doing it for thousands of years. He knows how to do it to different individuals to make them disregard what they should have listened to because they didn't necessarily like what was said. That's the way Satan works. He's used it on me many times. I can raise my hand and say, hey, man, I know he's got by, got it over on me a few times. So you keep that in mind. And keep in mind that when Paul, Paul's not sweet talking, he's coming across with power and through the Spirit. And there's a battle going on when this book is opened and the Word of God is taught and preached. Can go continue on, Brother Dave. Yes, verse yes, five. five. That your faith that your should faith not should stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Albeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Okay, these princes of the world that he's talking about here are archon. He's not talking yes. about Prince John over in uh, uh, Austria or somewhere like that. He's talking about the archons of this world, the ones that rule the rulers, the yes. ones whisper in the ruler's ears, or maybe literally even there, okay? That's who he's talking about. And he's going to tell you, if, if they would have known God's plan, he's eventually going to tell you that if they had realized what the plan of God was, was to die himself for his creation and shed his own blood. For without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. If they would have understood the plan that there would be a resurrection and Christ would come up from the dead, they never would have killed him. They'd have fought on his side to keep from keep him from being killed and buried and resurrected. They'd have done everything they could to stop him. That's what the book is going to tell you. Continue on, Brother Dave. Albeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. 
which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See there? Paul just comes out and tells you that. Continue on, brother. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Okay, famous verse. You see it on placards, you see it posted on Facebook, you you see it on these placards that they go to some Bible place on the computer and then they transfer it over to their site and this will be the only part you'll see. I have not seen nor hear, heard nor then the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And they stop right there and then they insert their imagination. Man, sir, no telling what it's going to be. No telling what, how it's going to be once we get to the other side of the veil. The word of God just over and over and over again explains to you the way it's going to be, even in the life to come. The things that we need to know. Paul said when he was talking to the Ephesian elders that he didn't hold back nothing that was profitable unto them, but had not shunned to declare unto them the whole, all the counsel of God that was profitable unto them. Paul saw things that he wasn't even allowed to speak about when he was caught up the third heaven. We'll get it later. We'll get into that later on in Corinthians. That, he, that, that the Lord wouldn't let him talk about that he saw once he was caught up to paradise. So there's some things that we don't know, but the word of God's full of stuff that we do know. So don't quote this verse here and stop at verse nine and think, well, and just start inserting your uh, imaginations as to the way you want it to be or the way you hope it will be because there's enough in here that tells you how it's going to be for you to study on till the last breath you take. And how do you know that? The very next verse tells you that. Verse 10, brother. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. They won't quote that part to you. Because it, it requires some studying for the Spirit of God to impart this stuff to you. He impart, He doesn't whisper it in your ear. He whispers it from the Word of God because it's written down. Like the thing on Brother Kevin's Facebook said, don't listen for no loud voices. God's already put it in a book for you to read. And then the Spirit of God can show you piecemeal Comparing scripture with scripture, or as Paul's fixing to say, spiritual things with spiritual, he, he explains it, but it, he expects you to study, to show yourself approved unto God. A workman needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. So don't just quote one verse 9 without quoting verse 10, because of that but, okay? A disjunctive conjunction there, but the spirit has to reveal. So that just does away with you planting your imagination in verse nine and just hoping it's going to turn out like you think it might be. No, the word of God's full of stuff that tells you how it's going to be in the life to come. Plainly tells you that godliness is not only profitable in this life, but also in that which is to come. Straight out in Galatians, a straight out answer to one of the questions about the other side of why it pays in this life to be more godlike and to pay attention to the word of God and to your, your motives to be pure, your, your charitable motives to be pure in what you do for the Lord. Because if it's done for self-interest, it burns up in fire, as we'll get to in the next chapter. But I'm not going to do that now. So it is the, the things that are profitable to you are in the Word of God. Okay? 
The other stuff, we talk about a lot of stuff here, that's speculation. That's presumptions, okay? That's not necessary. You can't assume necessarily. But you, I will all will always preface it by the fact that it might be, this is a possibility. We presume it might be this way or that way, but when the word of God plainly says it, and you compare scripture with scripture, here a little and there a little, precept upon precept, line upon line, which is verse upon verse, here a little and there a little, like it tells you to do, and Isaiah chapter 28, that's the way you come to knowledge and doctrine. And Paul's gonna add his little bit in just a few minutes, a few seconds, about comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You say, what is? what does he mean by that? Jesus Christ gave you the answer. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The words of God that's been purified seven times, that God magnifies above his own name, that when heaven and earth had passed away, those words will not pass away. You, there will be no excuses other than spiritual laziness. Period. Read verse 9, 10 again, brother, and then go on into verse 11. Okay. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. <clears throat> but God hath revealed, excuse me, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now, you would think in, in modern-day, quote-unquote, Christianity, that man had received the Spirit of the world. Because that's the way he acts. The way he acts, his first love is toward the world system and what the world loves. I'm speaking generically across the board. Okay? This is shotgun preaching. This is generic preaching across the board. That's the way the world is. Everything that's set up, all the technology, all the, the, the advances in communication and transportation and technology. There's nothing wrong with the technology and communication and transportation by itself. It's the heart of man that takes it and uses it for greed and power for himself. That's what's, that, that's what's wicked about it, okay? Because the God of this world who is the father of lies, that ought to send you off on a two-month study right there of just what has the world lied to me about? Because the God of this world is Satan. He's the prince of the power of the air. What goes through the air? Electronic waves, frequencies, like we were talked about the other night in our fellowship meeting which we'll do again soon, very soon. But that's the way you piece all this stuff together. There's enough there to keep your, your spiritual mind active in all your spare time. And it's not wasted. God takes it and uses it for your growth in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about that stuff. Pray about what I just got through saying, telling you the truth. 
Y'all know how I feel about technology. Y'all know how I feel about self, all that stuff without going to it. I'm not going, I'm not going to get on that hobby horse right now and ride it down the road because I, I could be there for two hours or four hours as far as that goes. I've explained to you in little bitty minute details of how it affects how it's affected society. If you can't look around and see how it's affected families and lives, individual friendships, relationships, how, how it's affected everything for the worse, then you have no spiritual discernment at all. Then you are swallowed up in the spirit of this world. You've been taken captive by Satan at his will. If you can't see through the smoke and mirrors that this world throws out there. But just realizing it in your head is not good enough. You need to realize and let it drop on down to where it starts affecting the actions of the heart. So the fruits of the spirit can manifest themselves in your life. Verse 13. Verse 13. You want me to read? Yeah, verse 13. Okay. Which things also we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You go, the Holy Ghost teaches. What did the Lord say in John 14? When he sent the Comforter, he would convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. That's some of the stuff he would do. He would also lead and guide us into all truth. Isn't that what the book says, Brother Dave? Amen. And that's the Holy Ghost teaching how to do it, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Well, that's not talking about comparing some voodoo dance with uh, some satanic spell. That's talking about comparing spirit, spiritual things of God with spiritual things of God. Christ said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit. They are life. They're living these are called the living words of the living God. Isn't that hard? That's a trip. To think that we're sitting here with our eyeballs looking at the living words of the Father Almighty that's existed from eternity to eternity. Ponder on that a few seconds. Think how we take it for granted, all of us, myself included. How much it's taken for granted today amongst the quote unquote so-called preachers and teachers. And like I've mentioned in the two programs past, how they used to take a lock and key and a chain and chain it to the pulpit so nobody could take it away. It was so precious. How all the blood that was shed from the martyrs, Wycliffe and Tyndale, the French Huguenots, the Cathari, the Anabaptists, all that bunch that, that toted those, those manuscripts, that got those manuscripts down, the right line of manuscripts, not the ones protected by the, the whore, Vaticanus, okay, not that, but the ones from Antioch, the Antiochian text, where people were first called Christians, the Textus Receptus that got down through, that, kept, that was preserved by God, part of Jerome's Latin Vulgate, that finally got to the translating table of the King James translators that got us our English Bible that turned the world upside down and brought to everyone the universal language, God's word in the universal language of this plane we live on. But that's how the Holy Ghost teaches. 
comparing spiritual things to spiritual things. There can be a spiritual thing happen here. You run and test it with the word of God. Does the word of God back it up? Yes. Then you find another spiritual thing here. Does the word of God. We, we're, we're bad about doing that here. I say bad in a good way. We're bad about doing that here. Of finding anything that seems to be out there in the world. Put forth by the God of this world. And then going to the word of God and finding back up in the word of God for it and trying to piece it together for you to gain some knowledge from that. You understand what I'm saying, Brother Dave? Yes, I do. But that's how the Holy Ghost works. This book being the foundational yardstick for every bit of it. If it goes contrary to the book, there's not no voice going to tell you something that'll contradict this book. I don't care if it speaks to like a loudspeaker to football stadium. I don't care if it whispers as low as a gentle breeze on a summer morning. It's not going to tell you something, something that's contrary to what is written down in this book, period. There are no contradictions with God. You may think there are, and they may look like look blatant. We've went over them over the last seven years numerous times. Looks like blatant contradictions. And I've reconciled, I've, I've showed you the reconciliation of those passages, how it's done by using the word of God, how there is no contradiction. There, it, 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 it's just there, it's in the book. You've got to search it out. Like the Bereans did when Paul would teach them. What did they do? Just take Paul's word for it? Nope. Brother Luke said they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things be so. They knew where the yardstick was. They knew what to judge everything by. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Verse 14, brother. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Absolutely. The verse that I've quoted so many times over the years to you people and the people that's been through this ministry. Why so many people out there don't have, they come in here... They come to this program and they hear things that are, that are totally foreign, that makes no sense to them whatsoever, even though we're sitting here with the word of God, showing them in black and white, two, three, four witnesses to the fact that we're bringing out, and they think it's silly and crazy. The only answer to that is there a nat the natural man's the one making that decision. In other words, they've not been born again. Okay? Or the Spirit of God would would hint them, would point them in the true way. There should there should be in the spirit spiritual alarm. I don't know what all that noise is, but it is loud. Whoa. Anyway. There should be in each one of you that is born again, born of the Spirit of God, an alarm bell. And the only way that alarm bell stays greased up and in good working order is if you stay in this book. I mean, you're not going to know a spiritual alarm bell is not going to go off if you hadn't already, if you haven't been through it and studied it and heard it because. Like the old sign says, God ain't screaming. It's already, he's already written it down. It's in the book. You can read it. You got something to judge, use to judge it by. But if, if, if something, if that spiritual alarm bell in you is there, that new creature in Christ Jesus, and somebody comes across with some off the wall something, it goes ding, 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 ding. Check it out. 
something ain't right here. Something not making no sense. Where's the scripture to back this up at? Is it in the right context? Can you pull out, can, or, did, or did they just take a verse of scripture that suited their needs and pulled it out of context and used it to try to back up their doctrine? That's why it's precept upon precept. And line upon line or scripture upon scripture, here a little and there a little. This is an integrated book from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. You cannot know true biblical doctrine and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ without the very first letter in verse 1 of Genesis to the very last letter in Revelation chapter 22. You cannot know the counsel of God without all those words in between you can't know it all you can't it because this is the judge of it the book and your ability to put those things together does not come overnight god does call preacher teachers that's with some of the that's some of the callings contrary to this brother that thought he had what a local church is actually supposed to be like he had some good stuff brother david on that video but he was also wet on some stuff too i hope you noticed some of it that video you sent me brother dave brother dave can you hear me i hear you now did you hear what i was saying yes i did mm -hmm. okay good, good because some of the stuff he was talking about was ludicrous Okay, but he had a lot of good points. Yes. Had a lot of good points to make. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. So you can strike out a lost man understanding spiritual things. That verse right there negates it. He can get, yeah, there was Jesus. Let me give you some examples. He can get, oh, yeah, there was a place called Jerusalem. And yeah, um, Titus Xavius, he went in there and destroyed it in 70 AD. He can get that. He can get that there was a, a person, a historical figure named Jesus that Pilate talked about and some of the historians, the Roman historians talked about. He can get that part. But when it comes to that stone rolling away, he can't understand it because that makes no sense to him. When you're dead, you're dead like a dog. He doesn't understand the spiritual implications of what that means. The Holy Spirit is the one that does that. Without that resurrection, we're lost and without hope and without God. And Paul says, hey, man, if the resurrection ain't right there, just eat, drink, and be merry. For, you, for hey, it nothing matters anyway. And that's true. And you've heard me say it numerous times, and I mean every word of it. Because it's a fact. Without the resurrection, there is no hope. without the resurrection so he can understand that they say there was a resurrection but does he know it in his heart no he don't know it in his heart can he believe it in his head of course he can say so he does does his life translate into him acting like he believed it is there works in other words is there a change in his life that indicates that that resurrection power has caused a new birth in his life, that he's got a down payment of the Holy Spirit within him that has sealed him to the day of redemption. Is there a change in his life? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away, all things have become new. Those things are visible. They work their way out through the, metaphorically speaking, through the heart. Then they work their self out 
into everyday life, into the personality of the individual, into what the individual does, and the way the individual acts, the way they talk, the things they talk about, the things they love, the things they appreciate, the things they detest, and the things that they hate. Natural man don't have a clue what I just said. They ain't got nothing to do with straightening up a few things in your life. Now, you quit smoking, quit drinking, quit chewing, and quit running to the bars. It, that ain't got nothing to do with nothing. That's something on the outside, trying to change something on the inside. It don't work that way. It's changed on the inside, and it manifests itself some quicker than others from the inside out. Does every man that cussed like a sailor off the USS John F. Kennedy come off talking like a an independent Baptist preacher in Daleville, Alabama? The moment he gets saved and comes off that boat, not necessarily. He'll still have trouble with some of those old words. But he'll learn to replace them with it. They'll be... When he, they won't be as funny as they were when he said them before. That filthy mouth. Paul says, put away filthy communications out of your mouth. It even tells you what to think on. Your new man, if you're is a new man within you, go to Philippians chapter four, brother, brother Dave. Okay. To give, right. you something, give you something that'll help you out with some of that stuff if you're a new creature in Christ, if you're just if you're just a new if you're a new Christian, if you've just trusted the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to get you out of that hole in the ground after you take your last breath, or either take you up in the sky if he comes back before. Start at verse eight, brother. Okay. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. There's you some help right there. I'll give you a little bit more help. Drop on up, go back on up to verse six, brother. And let's get Brother Paul give us a little bit more help. Be careful for nothing, but in that everything. Let me explain that. It's an old English word. It means don't be worried about any one thing. Don't be full of care. Okay? That's what that means. Don't be full of care. Over caring. It's not to be concerned about certain problems, nothing wrong with that, but you've got a savior that you could put it in his hands to handle it. You need to do your part, taking those steps. But God eventually is in control of everything. But he's looking for you to purge yourself of this stuff, like it says in 2 Timothy 2, so you'll be a vessel unto honor and not one to dishonor. So start over again, read, brother. First six. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And there's you some more help from Brother Paul. Paul's just full of help on how to attain some of this stuff we talk about, we teach and preach here. But just some some folks just don't want to pay no attention to it or don't want to make an honest effort to apply it in their life. I'll get around to it later. Really? What makes you even think God's going to give you another breath in the next five seconds? Therefore, knowing, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 11, Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, 
weepers like man. For every man shall give an account of himself to God at the judgment seat of Christ. For we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of those things done in the body, whether they be good or bad. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So Paul gives you, not only does he give, he give you the commands, he gives you the help to help you with some of these things that you may have problems with. Because this old man, even though he's dead and buried with Christ and you're a new creature, you don't realize it, but that old man's dead. He's buried. He's got dirt in his face. And people run around all the time wanting to serve a dead corpse. All the time. Giving way to the needs and desires of a dead man. For if we be dead with him, we shall live with him. If we suffer, we shall reign with him. See, book's got it covered, folks. Buried with him in baptism, what do you do? What do you bury a dead man? Buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. It's a figure of the putting off of the old man and the putting on of the new man and walking in the light of the word of God and of Jesus Christ under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I could go on and give more examples of Paul's commandments and then him turning around and giving you, telling you, giving you help on how to get to do those things. Paul even tells you in Romans 5 that he, he, he get, you've got leeway. All things are lawful, for, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. See, he, he, he said, I tell you this because of the because of the weakness of your flesh. See, this flesh is going to scream like it, it's going it's to seem like it's never more alive than after you get saved. It's going to it's going to it's going to have more need than you ever thought it needed. And what it actually is is there's two people now, there's two individuals inhabiting the same frame, and one's fighting against the other all the time. It's like that old saying, that old Indian saying. Some people attribute it to an Indian. I don't know if it's true or not. But just like a, a, after the new birth, is there inside in each individual, there's a black dog and a white dog. And they're chained. And each one of them's got a plate in front of them. And whichever dog is fed the most grows stronger and stronger and stronger. And they fight all the time. And whichever dog gets the most food whips the other dog because it's stronger, it's being fed more. I draw that whenever I do this on a chalkboard or a, or a uh, marker board when I'm preaching, I draw a picture of this. And eventually at death, that white dog breaks loose from the chain and he's free forever from that the influence of that black dog and there's nothing left but the perfection of Christ in you. That's the reason Paul called these people perfect earlier in verse one and two, because they are inside of God, perfect. See, because they have the righteousness of God. Now, you are just as righteous as God right this second. On the inside, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places right now. You have the mind of Christ right now, even though it sure don't seem like it. Paul uses that stuff in the past tense. But you do. Paul 
Paul tries to help you out with temptations by warning you, and we'll find out in 1 Corinthians 13 later on, or chapter 10, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, when he tells you, for there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. See, our problem is we don't look for the escape route. And a lot of times, even when we do see the escape route, we, won't, we don't take it because we're too in love with that dead corpse. Because in the book of Hebrews, it tells you that Moses left Egypt to serve God rather than enjoy the pleasures, listen to me, the pleasures of sin for a season. Because sin is fun, folks. Sin feels good to the flesh. That's not, I didn't make this up. That's what the book says, the pleasures of sin. Sin's pleasurable. Don't you be all sanctimonious and holier than thou and act like you don't know that sin's not pleasurable. Because it is. But see, that's where you're supposed to sacrifice and reckon you yourself dead to sin but alive unto Christ to where you want to please the new man more than you do the old man. It takes a long, that perfecting process that's going on inside of you is being worked out by God. That's why Paul tells you in Philippians chapter 2, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Next verse, brother. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. And you have the book to do the judging right in front of your face. Go ahead, brother. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. End of chapter. Amen. Any questions? I'll give you a few seconds in the chat room if anybody has any questions. If not, I'll dismiss us in a word of prayer and we'll go ahead and close for tonight. And this coming Friday night, we will pick up with 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and get in and it will We'll connect it with Revelations chapter 3, and we'll connect it with Hebrews and connect it with 2 Corinthians chapter 5 because the, 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 the content or the, the, um, the context of the chapter, the main context of chapter 3 is the judgment seat of Christ. There's no questions in the chat. Okay. Heavenly Father, I pray that you take your blessed word, Lord, now, and use it for your yes. own glory. You promised you put your word out. It did not return void, but it accomplished that, which we send it out to do, Father. I pray that you take these words, Father, off your, off, out of your precious book. Use them in the hearts and in the lives of the listeners, Father. May they come to spiritual understanding of things that they've had problems with before and have an eager desire to want to learn more, Father. Bless each and every one under the sound of my voice. I pray that you would heal the ones that sick, Father. I pray that you'd meet the financial needs of the ones that are in financial problems, Father. I pray that you would move in close to them, be real with them, and have a close fellowship relationship with each one of the members of your bride, Father. And I ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake alone. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Contact information for Don Spears Ministries. Telephone number is 334-397-2333. The email is respecttothelord at yahoo.com. PayPal account, respecttothelord at yahoo.com. Just go to PayPal, enter respecttothelord at yahoo.com, and you'll see Don Spears Ministry. Please avail yourself of this and make an offering to the Lord Jesus Christ through this ministry. You can send cards and letters, offerings, requests, pictures of yourself to pray over to Pastor Don's home address at 3155 Louisville Street, Department D1, Clio, Alabama, zip code 36017. The Don Spears Ministry Sermon Times. Friday and Sunday night on TalkShoe. Time is 6 Central or 7 Eastern. That's TalkShoe at www.talkshoe.com forward slash studio forward slash 4971345. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you again Friday. God bless each and every one of you. Until we meet again, may God smile upon you. May his grace be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good night, everyone. Good night.